Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. He suffers and dies, and then what? He's resurrected to life and to glory. And we're looking at that pattern and we're going, but that's you, right, Jesus? Is there a kind of a path where we could go from Jesus church to glory without the other stuff? Is that, is that an option? And no, Revelation 11 actually says we are to see the path of Jesus in a sense as the path of every Christian. Many believers are under the misunderstanding that when you become a Christian, you've sidestepped the suffering that this world has to offer. While salvation does relieve you from the oppression of sin, there's still plenty of suffering for those who truly follow Jesus. As Pastor Ricky continues our study in the book of Revelation in today's message, he's going to point out the way that this book clearly outlines suffering as a necessary and inevitable part of every believer's journey. Now let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Revelation chapter 11. As he begins his message, few there are who die so hard. We're gonna open up God's word now. So if you have a copy of God's word, please open in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 11, verses one through 13. And as, as you find yourself, man, these images are strange. What does that mean? What does that mean? Just pause and try to let the, the whole picture. Apocalyptic literature is, is meant to paint a picture in your mind. So allow it to do that as we read Revelation 11, verse 1. This is God's word. Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff and was told, rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. But do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out for it is given over to the nations and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. They have the power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. And when they finish their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their bodies will lie in the street of the great city that symbolically is called Sodom in Egypt, where their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. But after three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them. And they stood up on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. And then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies watched them. And at that hour, there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell. 
And 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. This is God's word. And Father, I pray that as we read, Lord, that you would allow revelation to do what it is meant to do, to reveal. I pray that we would walk out of here with greater clarity after interacting with your word, not greater confusion. And I pray that the, the clarity, God, would be on the path of the Christian and the church, that we may all feel the call of Christ, but also feel hope and faith and life in the call. In Jesus' name, amen. I struggled with reading early on in first grade, and then I began to be a voracious reader, so my mom would just feed me books. And one of the books uh, that I read in that, that sort of age of uh, 10, 11, 12, as I was starting to get into reading, was the great Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? This is my mom's copy from, I think, the 1970s, has an awesome picture of Tolkien with a pipe smiling on the back, and uh, in the book, here, here's what I found. It was a perfect thing for a 12-year-old boy because whenever you read these, these you know, fantasy magic stories, you're always looking for yourself, and so first time I read the books, I thought, man, the character I'm the most like or I want to be the most like is Aragorn, the secret king who comes and raises an army and goes back and you know, defeats everybody in Gondor and goes to the very black gates and you're like, yes. And then you start to realize like, okay, actually, I think the coolest character is Gandalf, the wise wizard who is out thinking and trying to outsmart the enemy. And then there's this bit, especially if you read this last book, where it's all action and excitement and then it stops and then it picks up with Frodo and Sam, two small hobbits, two small guys, walking and walking and walking, and they walk through marshes, unpleasant. They walk through mountains that are unpleasant. They walk through uh, gross other places that are even more unpleasant. And you're like, can we get back to the action here? Where, 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 what are we doing with these guys? And yet, as I've grown older, you start to realize, oh, wait a minute, they're, they're actually the heroes. They do the thing that nobody else can do. They take this ring of power and throw it into a volcano. Well, a lot of stuff happens at the volcano, but we're not going to get into. That's their task, to faithfully carry this difficult burden, to finish their task, despite a long, dark, difficult road. And as I've gotten older, I think that's probably more like us. That's at least more like me. In this passage today, we're going to see two witnesses who have a, a, a difficult task and find themselves on a difficult road, and yet by their faithfulness are glorious. Now, if you are here, maybe you've heard various interpretations of this passage as, okay, in the future, there's going to be two literal kind of angelic witnesses or human witnesses, and they're going to have literal fire come out of their mouths and like be dragons and be shooting people down and preach the gospel. Um, and as a 12-year-old, when you read Revelation, that's also the part you're like, I'll be these guys. This is great. Fire mouth. That's awesome. Now, I'm going to give you a few reasons why I think Revelation itself tells us that these two witnesses actually are meant to represent the church. During the time of the turmoil uh, all around us in the world, the, the, this is meant to be a picture of the church. I believe from Jesus' ascension to his return. couple reasons. First, notice that they're identified as the two lampstands. Now, if you've been in our series, you remember in Revelation 1, the lampstands were explicitly identified as the churches. 
Jesus walks among the lampstands, meeting the seven churches, and then in case we're a little dense, Jesus literally says, the lampstands are the churches. Tracking? And we're like, I don't, what do you mean? No, they're, they're the churches. Very clear. Now, second point of clarity, verse seven, where it says uh, that, the, that the beast was allowed to make war on the witnesses and conquer them, is repeated nearly word for word in chapter 13, which concerns the beast. And it, chapter 13 says this, the beast was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. So the two, the two verses actually are like parallel. The only difference is in one place they're called, it, it talks about the two witnesses in one place. It talks about the saints. Now, third, these witnesses don't do anything that should surprise us if we've listened to Jesus and what he says about the church, meaning that the witnesses are to witness faithfully, they'll be protected, they will die, and they will rise again. That's what Jesus says repeatedly about the Christian and the church. Now, it is possible that these two witnesses really perhaps will be real figures at the end of history, but if that's the case, they're merely a culmination of the work of the church throughout the generations leading up to Christ's return. So either way, whether they're symbolic or whether they, there really will be two witnesses, but those two witnesses are simply gonna fulfill in kind of grander style the pattern of the church, the, the message of the passage is the same. So if you're reading this in the first century, you're reading this and you're thinking, that's us. That's our path. That's the path of God's people. Now, uh, what you should notice also is that this path is not just the path of God, Christ's people, but the path of Christ himself. Okay, so here's what we got. We have Jesus. What does Jesus do? He witnesses, and then what does he do? He suffers and dies, and then what? He's resurrected to life and to glory. And we're looking at that pattern, and we're going, but that's you, right, Jesus? Is there a kind of a path where we could go from Jesus' church to glory without the other stuff? Is that, a, is that an option? And no, Revelation 11 actually says we are to see the path of Jesus in a sense as the path of every Christian, as the path of the church. Uh, main point of the passage today is this. Follow the faithful witness, Jesus, on the path from suffering to glory. That's the call today. Follow the faithful witness on the path from suffering to glory. We're gonna look at this in three parts. First, the task of every Christian is witness. Now, verse three, remember Revelation is meant to reveal. And it says in verse three, I will grant authority to my two witnesses and they will prophesy. And the way that they're dressed in the sackcloth is a, is a throwback to the Old Testament prophets. Um, and they're, 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 they've been given a commission by the Lord. They're, they're prophecy. What that means is they're speaking the words of God to others. And their task is, let's not overcomplicate this, witnesses. In fact, there are two of them because in the Old Testament, two witnesses are needed to establish a testimony. So in a sense, there are two witnesses witnessing Witnessing, the text, that's what it feels like. These guys are witnesses, they're gonna witness, they are witnessing, do you see them witnessing? And why is that helpful? Because it clarifies the task of the church. In fact, this is very parallel to Acts 1.8 where Jesus says to the church, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my, what? Witnesses 
in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So these witnesses, whether they're fully symbolic or perhaps are going to be culminated in two figures, they're just doing what Jesus has told the church to do. And I find this so helpful and so clarifying for us as Christians. I don't know about you, but I read news headlines or scroll through Twitter, and I just think, what in the world? What am I supposed to do? There's, there's war here, there's famine here, there's disaster here, there's fire here, there's corruption in the school district here, there's a, there's a, a corruption in my workplace here. There's it's just all this stuff going on all around me, and we're wondering, man, what, what, what do we do? What are we supposed to do? We're meant to witness. And what does that mean? It simply means, and we're meant to prophesy in the biblical sense, meaning we're to speak the word of God, speak the gospel and the truth of the word to all that will hear. And our own lives being changed like the demoniac who is freed, he wants to go with Jesus and Jesus says, no, go home and tell your friends how much the Lord has done for you. That's what we're to do. We're simply to speak of what the Lord has done in our lives. Lives and this look in every age there are there are good things for the church capital C to be involved in you know helping those mercy ministry you know various kinds of things but but one of the things we can't lose hold of is in our in our view of the church there is one utterly utterly unmissable task which is the proclamation of the word of God. In faithfulness. Romans chapter 10 says this For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Meaning this the, the church in every age speaking the word of the gospel, and yes, yes, adorning the gospel with good works, as it says in Titus, but that primary unmissable thing, the proclamation of the gospel, is what creates and advances the church. That is the one thing we cannot drop from generation to generation. How are they to hear without someone preaching? And let me just say this, I, I, I think there is a commendable um, sort of zeal, if you're like, let's just say under 35 or 30, for doing good works, for, for seeing the way the, the world is broken around us as Christians and saying, oh, these, there's poverty here, there's disease, and, and those are good things. We are meant to do good works, to serve the poor, to, to, to help those in need, amen. But, but my concern for especially the next generation is that often, the crucial thing becomes showing mercy. And when a, even a good thing replaces the gospel, we have lost it. Because the gospel is the essential and critical call of the church in every age. Now, I, I want you to get this for a second. So witness is the task of the Christian now, but you're probably thinking, okay, well, so what do you want me to go down to San Jacinto Plaza and, and, and just stand there and hope fire comes out of my mouth and burns up my enemies? Like, what are, what are you telling me to do here? No, witness is the call of every Christian in many ways in every area of life. Think about this. In, in marriage, what, do you, what are you doing in marriage? Well, in marriage, according to Ephesians 5, the husband and wife are pictures of Christ in the church. And every marriage tells the drama of redemption to those who have eyes to see it. 
So that means, I don't know if this happened to you, after you get married and there's that one perfect week or maybe one perfect month or one perfect year, and then, then you wake up and you look at your spouse and go, you didn't seem this grumpy before, you know? <laughs> you, you, do you, have you always been doing that? Why are you leaving that on the floor? You know, like, and, or perhaps more importantly, you know, well, you said that I could do this job. Well, we never agreed. I don't like when you talk to our kid that way. Well, maybe you should try talking to your kid at all, right? We, we start to devolve into that. What does Jesus call us to do? In those moments where you're like, I don't know if I love my, I don't feel the love for my spouse. I don't know if they feel the love for me. Our call is to be a picture of Christ in the church and to reconcile and lay our lives down for them, as we'll see. What, what, what is parenting? But here, here really where I think, I, I do have a burden to encourage moms today. Uh, moms, you, you feel so many voices. You face so many different kinds of information coming to you. You, you gotta do school with your kids this way. You gotta parent your kids this way. You know, you're watching Instagrams of uh, you know, videos of perfect moms who they, they're growing their own corn and their chickens are laying their own eggs and they, they're making organic butter and they, you know, they're frying up pancakes while one of their kids plays Beethoven on the piano and you're just like, <sighs> you know? Or maybe you're on the other extreme and you see some kid who's, you know, that kid, you see, you tell at age seven, he's a division one college athlete, you know? We were at soccer yesterday. There was one kid that you're like, yeah, man, he's like two heads taller than everybody else and he's scoring from midfield. And so just, just draft him now. It's, you know, take him to Europe now. And you feel these things. Moms, I want to encourage you. Your task is not easy, but it is simple and it is straightforward. And it's not turning your son or daughter into Division I athlete. It's not teaching them a perfect you know, classical music uh, repertoire. It's faithfully witnessing to your kids that when you really wanna get angry, you ask the Lord for help. Or when you do get angry, you go to your kids and apologize. It's faithfully speaking bits of the gospel, taking the little kid's ministry paper and asking your kids about it or opening up the word during the week. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be perfect. But, but, but just that simplicity of being a faithful witness, acting like you're following Jesus, as Chuck was sharing in his story. Follow Jesus. Talk about Jesus. That's your call. And, and, and let me just mention briefly that this applies to vocation as well. What are you trying to do? You're not just trying to make it to payday and, and, and clock out. You're, you're trying to be a witness for Jesus wherever he has you. Your, your Facebook presence, your Twitter presence, your Instagram presence is not just there for fun. It's meant in some sense to be a witness. And, and this is the call. But there will be opposition, right? There will be opposition. You, you see these people coming against them, but then they're protected. So what in the world does that mean? What, get to the fire and the blood part. Well, verse 5 the fire, if you know your Old Testament, references the prophetic ministry of Elijah, right? Where he's speaking the word of God and, and the prophets of Baal are there and fire comes down from heaven, right? And, and, and then in verse six, there's references to the prophetic ministry of Moses. He's speaking these things in Egypt and, and the Lord is doing signs and wonders. What is all this supposed to mean? Well, well, notice this. Their task is to witness and out of their mouth comes fire and, and out of their mouth, these things are happening in the heavens. What does it mean? It means this, that as we proclaim the church, as we proclaim the word of God, it is accompanied with the power of God for our protection, it is not just our words, like we're out there in the town square, hey, have you thought about Jesus? No, the word of God goes forth with power. It is unleashed when we speak it. 
It silences people. It, it brings people from death to life. And some who, who refuse Christ, it confirms them being, being put away from Christ, right? And in this way, we wonder, okay, well, we've got the word of God. That's helpful, but I still feel weak in my witness. Oh, that's where uh, that little detail in verse four about the two olive trees and the two lampstands is so critical. The olive trees, right? The olive trees were often what made the oil for the lamps. And the olive trees are in the Old Testament often a, a symbol of the spirit of God. So what is it saying? It's saying this, that the church will blaze out the hope of the gospel, but that, that blazing out of the gospel is gonna be lit, in a sense, by the power of the spirit. So it's not as though we're like, oh, I don't think I could do this task, it's too hard. No, the Lord sends us out with his living spirit, with his living word, and says, go speak. It may be hard, it may be difficult, but that's the call. I love the, the resilience of the two little hobbits as they make their way to Mordor. There's a quote that I love um, from, from Tolkien. He says, one tiny hobbit against all the evil the world could muster. A sane being would have given up, but Samwise burned with a magnificent madness. A glowing obsession to surmount every obstacle, to find Frodo, to destroy the ring, to cleanse Middle Earth of its festering malignancy. He knew he would try again. Fail, perhaps, try once more, a thousand, thousand times if need be, but he would not give up the quest. This is what I think we see in the witnesses. They, they are just out there continuing on the path God has for them again and again with the power of the Spirit and the power of the Word. Second, the path of every Christian, death. You're just like, man, this is getting... <laughs> It's getting better and better. Uh, all right, verse seven. This is gonna be encouraging, I promise, but you guys stick with me. Verse seven. And when they finish their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them. And you're thinking, okay, and then they're gonna win. And they're gonna beat that beast. No, we'll conquer them and kill them. And it goes on to talk about the, the, their bodies lying in the street and the world you know, against Christ rejoicing. Now, you're probably wondering, okay, well, I'm really hoping you're gonna say that's at the end of history too, right? Like, that's gonna, you know, not gonna happen to me. Well, it could be that in the end, the church will have a moment where it seems decisively defeated only to rise again. Or this could simply be an ongoing pattern throughout world history. But the point is the same. The path of every faithful witness is in an opposition to the, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and often they will seem to win. Open God, oh my soul, he is strong and he is strong to save. Open God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. There's much more that Pastor Ricky would like to share with you, but we've run out of time for today. This has been another edition of Better News Radio, a ministry of Cross of Grace Church in El Paso, Texas. Pastor Ricky will continue teaching from the book of Revelation next time. For more information about this ministry or about what you've heard today, feel free to send us an email at radio at crossofgraceradio.com. If you'd rather make a phone call, you can do that too. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'd be happy to help you. 
Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can also learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen or download for free at betternewsradio.com. Look under the radio tab. If you notice and click on the church tab, you'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events. You'll find all of that at betternewsradio.com. We also encourage you to look us up on Facebook to find some encouraging content for your newsfeed. That's all the time that we have for today, but thanks again for listening. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say how happy we are that you took the time to hear from God's Word today. Make plans to learn more from Revelation next time on Better News Radio.